Conclusion, the international science radio show. Where the bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Relax while we infuse weird and wonderful science into your brain. I'm Sarah Wood and on this edition we'll feature which contraception is best for the environment, the pill or the condom. Caitlin Howlett will be testing your scientific knowledge with her brain-bending science quiz. But first up, here's the news with Jackie Hayes. If you're looking for a surefire way to be happier... Researchers from Deakin University have found the answer. Move to Outback Australia. Yes, it's true. People in Outback Australia are happier than everyone else stuck back here. Surveys of 35,000 Australians showed that two communities in the top end, each with a population of 17,000 people or less, were ranked among the happiest. In fact, all of the regions in the top five had less than 40,000 people. The report authors say that it's because these places have great natural beauty. Another uh, top area was Kangaroo Island off the coast of South Australia. These places also have a strong sense of community and ties to the land. And what about the unhappiest place in Australia? Well, you might have guessed it. It's Sydney, with the inner city and suburbs to the south being the most troubled. The report authors suggest that it has something to do with multiculturalism culturalism and racism. However, the authors don't seem to have taken into account the effects of parking inspectors waiting in line at the bank, inefficient public transport and people who walk really slowly on the sidewalk. Yawning has long been a mystery to the world of science, but a new study has found that the primary purpose of yawning is to control brain temperature. Researchers from Binghamton University studied yawning in parakeets, They're representative of yawning in humans because they have relatively large brains and they yawn, but most importantly, they don't experience contagious yawning as humans do. Contagious yawning is when you see someone else yawning and you start to yawn as well. The parakeets were subjected to a whole lot of temperature variations and the researchers noticed that the parakeets only yawned when the researchers increased the parakeets' ambient temperature but the ambient temperature was still lower than its body temperature because, of course, there's no point trying to cool yourself down by yawning if you only take in hot, stuffy air. The new findings also explain why tired individuals often yawn, since both exhaustion and sleep deprivation have been shown to increase brain temperatures, again prompting a yawn cool-down. But until now, scientists haven't really known why we yawn, particularly before and after sleeping, and... Um, They also didn't know why certain diseases caused excessive yawning. What they did know, however, was why everyone yawns at parties when they talk to accountants. And this week in the science news, unfortunately there is no good news for inhabitants of the Pacific Islands or any other low-lying areas. Scientists from the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration have said that the changes in temperature, rainfall and sea level from climate change are irreversible for more than 1,000 years after carbon carbon dioxide emissions actually stop. 
The researchers examined what happens when atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations build up past 380 parts per million, which we currently have. Pre-industrial levels of carbon dioxide were around 270 parts per million. The authors emphasised that increases in CO2 um, that occur from the year 2000 to the year 2010 are set to lock in a sea level, sea level rise over the next 1,000 years. So action is urgently needed to prevent it. The lights are dim, the music's playing, the bottle of wine's cracked open, and just before you go in for the kiss, you're thinking, it's business time. It's business time! And what's more environmental, the pill or the condom? Sarah, have you asked yourself this before? Um, well, it was only quite a while ago when I had the task of looking into this exact question for G Magazine. So the most common forms of contraception are the pill and the condom. Just a couple of facts about usage. Well, first of all, how did you actually go out and uh, decide which was better for the environment? Like, what do you look at? Do you look at just the use or do you look at manufacture? Yeah, the first thing you look at is pretty much the production. So the first section of the life cycle analysis when you're looking at the environmental impacts of a product is the production. Um, So this is when they actually make a condom or they make the pill. Yeah, that's right. And condoms are actually made, well, most condoms are made out of latex, which is otherwise known as rubber. Uh, It's derived from rubber trees, which means that it's actually a renewable resource. What most people... So they don't... Do they kill a tree to get... Yeah. uh, To make the latex? They don't actually kill the trees. What they're doing is they're drawing the sap out of the um, trunk of the tree. So they're not actually cutting down trees, which means that rubber plantations are actually good for the environment in terms of drawing carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. However, there's a lot of land clearing that goes on, especially in China and the Amazon, uh, to make way for these plantations. Ah. And that land clearing um, and that monoculture. So monoculture is when there's like a whole bunch of trees, but they're all identical? Yeah, so there's like a massive diversity of like, say, a rainforest, and then they've knocked all that down to plant one species. And, you know, obviously that knocks out a lot of the populations. and ants and stuff. Yeah, or or small mammals and things like that. So... There's other alternatives to latex condoms, which are um, polyurethane condoms, which are made using fossil fuel-derived oils, but they're not as common. And usually the the main impacts we're looking at from the latex condoms. The pill, on the other hand, uh, is a pharmaceutical product. So the estrogens in the pill are synthesised from a natural form of estrogen, a natural form, as in like they where do they where do they get it from? Well, I asked. Um, well, getting getting this Don't information get out of pharmaceutical companies, as you know, is is pretty hard. Yeah, right. Um, they've probably got chickens somewhere producing it. Yeah, as far as I know, they they've replicated this natural form of estrogen, um, and they put the pill that you see is actually full of a whole heap of fillers, lactose. Um, and other mm-hmm. fillers that they put in there, they actually put a lot of sugar in it to make it taste nice. Oh. Um, there's a lot of additives that you don't actually think because the... That's um, just like when I have panadine and I suck the little outer coating off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no. Or oh, whatever, they're all good. But what you may not realise, and I don't know, I 
actually a couple of years ago, I went to the TGA down in Canberra and saw how they tested condoms. What's the TGA? It's the Therapeutic Goods Association. Oh, yeah. That's where they yep. test condoms and they do all these crazy things like stretch them and blow them up with water and see, you know, where their limits are basically. Um, and that process uses a lot of water as well. Yeah, well, a, <laughs> they, they can, what can they hold? They can hold like 10 litres or something, right? Yeah. I don't know what guy, um, no, let's not even go there. So the manufacturing process, which is greener? Well, I think it looks like the pills manufacturing process is a lot. Um, because of the monocultures in China. Yeah, there's there's a lot of impacts, in, including toxic effluents going into waterways from the from the condom manufacturing plants. Oh, there's a yeah. lot of um, the vulcanization process, which is a process of drawing rubber from water from solution, actually creates a lot of toxic effluents. And because it's done in a lot of Asian and third world countries, the regulation of this effluent isn't very good. So that can flow into environments right. and actually cause damage, whereas the pills usually manufactured in Europe um, or in more developed countries where the, you know, the effluents are managed properly and they're treated. Okay. Mm. So what else do you look at in your life cycle analysis? So the next thing I looked at was the use and the packaging. Currently there's 10 billion condoms being used each year, which is a lot. 10 billion? 10 billion. Well, hang on, wait. How many people are there in the world? There's only like 6 billion people. Yeah, well, so that's just if you're only condom. having sex once a year, that's... But I then guess. you've got to take into account the children, the geriatrics, yeah. the Christians. Well, the- a Durex con- condom survey actually showed that on average, globally, people have sex 103 times per year. Every three days? That's Oh, no, not quite, but almost. Yeah, there's a lot of sex being had, which is, which is a good thing. There's 10 billion condoms being used each year. Their role is as a contraceptive, but also to prevent um, sexually transmitted infections, yes. which uh, in Africa and countries where AIDS is a massive problem, um, that becomes especially important. And that's where a lot of uh, condom use is actually happening. Comparatively, there's 100 million women using um, 1.2 billion packs of the pill. They do come in three-month slots, which cuts down on... Um, Packaging, yeah. Which packaging. women, if you you're using the pill, go try and get go out and buy in bulk. Yep, buy in bulk. It's the best way to do it. People have, are having sex 103 times a year, and that would require about nine boxes of condoms, which each contain about 12. Assuming, 12 of course, that no one actually reuses their condoms, which you shouldn't. Because no, they're not meant to work as well. No. So p- assuming everyone uses their condom responsibly. Yep. The nine nine boxes of condoms per year. Whereas the pill uses 12 small blister packages of um, pills per per year. And are those blister packages recyclable? They're not. They're made of PVC, which is polyvinyl chloride. Right. They're not recyclable. They have an aluminium backing. Um, so you do have to dispose of them in the waste. However, and the same with the condoms, always throw them out. Don't. <laughs> Don't try and recycle them, Don't try and recycle guys. them. <laughs> um, no, one, no one wants to be picking them out of the rubbish down at the collection centre. Anyway, so the condoms have about 232 grams of non-recyclable packaging and a one-month pill pack has about 20 grams of non-recyclable packaging. So when you look so at that... 20 versus what was the other one? 232. So you've okay. got like almost 10 times the amount of non-recyclable packaging for condoms. So when you think about it that way the pill definitely wins out in terms of packaging okay so what else do you look at then 
Okay. So we've, looked at, we've looked at production. We've looked at use. Yep. The next thing would be biodegradability because, yeah. you know, you're throwing so these things out. What happens to those condoms once you've used them? Do they stick around for 10,000 years? Well, the evidence is that they do stick around for a really long time and it's not known exactly how well they break down, but the problem is they need to be exposed to air. So if they're in landfill, depending on whether they're buried into the landfill or whether they're exposed to air will, you know, affect how long it takes for them to break yeah. down. Yeah, and right now you can imagine there's not very much oxygen cycling through our landfill. Yeah. But being latex, it does mean that they are essentially a natural um, so substance could, so and they will could break you down. Compost your yeah, condoms? Because you've been in compost your condoms. Well, I suppose you could, but I guess compost would be a bit of an anaerobic environment eventually. And also, would it attract vermin? Yeah. The best thing is not to compost them because chances are if you're putting your compost on your garden and you've got nosy uh, magpies going through, (laughs) as we do at home, they could choke and that's not a good thing. But when you look at the pill... Or worse, they could pick up your condom and then take it to your neighbour's house. Yeah, that'd Mm. be really embarrassing. But when you look at the pill, the key ingredient is an oestrogen called ethanol estradiol. And what does it do? What happens is when it goes through the body, it it actually comes out when you go to the toilet. So there's small amounts left of it in your urine when you go to the bathroom. The problem with it being in the past, and you probably heard this in some science news back in the past, is that any of this sewage treatment water that gets into waterways, especially local river systems, can actually cause mutations in fish. Mm -hmm. A while ago, there was reports of male fish growing female hormones and having crazy mutations because of the pill basically getting into the water. And of course, if it's getting into the fish, it's getting into everything that eat those fish and then everything that eats them and all the way up the food chain. So we're talking like it's across the board in species around the world. Yeah, that's right. And so this upsets populations in terms of breeding females and males, which means that certain species could die out depending on you know, this effect. But what I did was I had a chat to uh, Stuart Kahn from the Centre of Water and Waste Technology at the University of New South Wales. And he gave me a really good insight into the research that's been done in Australia. And if you think about it, we're actually, a lot of Australia's population is on a coastline. And when you look at sewage treatment plants across Australia, most of them are on the coastline. So what's happening is the water's treated, usually at three levels. uh, And then that water is float out into the ocean. So by that stage, the water's diluted and it's not going into a local river system. So so you reckon there's enough salt water that it really doesn't make that much bigger no. difference? No. The problem mm. is where you've got inland areas, and this is still the case for areas like Penrith or inland inland Cindy, Sydney. Or well, even further, like or, out in yep, Alice. Yep, or any rural communities where they've got sewage treatment. That sewage treatment water is going into local waterways and there looks like at the moment there is some effects on some introduced species of mosquito fish I mean of course we don't care about introduced species being affected but the point is there hasn't been enough studies done on on, on native, all the native fish. species yeah yeah to tell whether it's actually having effect. so are you telling me woody that if I'm if I live near a coast I should take the pill but if I live inland I should use a condom 
Well, that's that's sort of the verdict that I came up with, actually, wow, getting so to that. If you're a male living in Alice Springs, don't drink the water. <laughs> Unless you want some fun mutations. Well, my kind of, you know, synopsis of the whole thing and my verdict was that if you're having sex in the city and you're on a coastline... Sex in the city. Sex in the city. Yeah. Then it's better to use the pill because you're going to be contributing to less landfill waste and, you know, the estrogens are just going to be washed out in the ocean and they'll be diluted so there won't be any effect to fish. Yeah. Whereas if you are inland... Um, Who and knows you ha- what you're doing to the species? <laughs> you should you should use a condom because the, the pill may wash into the waterways and be mutating fish. So you don't want to be mutating fish. Uh, the other thing is to think about is, of course, if you are not in a long-term relationship and you haven't been tested for STDs. Be safe. Be safe and always use a condom. And, of course, um, using contraception is the more environmentally friendly option. Of course. As opposed to yeah, that's having right. no contraception whatsoever and increasing the population of the planet. Yeah. There you go. Go out and have sex responsibly.
That's a bit of Van Sheaf for you from their new album B. Now here's Caitlin with a science quiz for you to play along at home and remember no Google cheating. Yeah, now don't worry guys, these will be some nice simple questions, uh, a little bit similar to are you smarter than a fifth grader perhaps? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know man, those are yeah. really hard questions. Yeah. Alright, what have you got for us today? Well, uh, I've got a bit of a quiz style so I want you guys to jump in if you know the answer. Also jump in if you've got any other cool facts or topics or anything else that's related. But um, I am keeping tally. Okay, so cool. You know. All right, and do we have buzzers? Yeah, can you test your buzzer, please, Jackie? Oh. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> One more time there. I don't think we got that. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> Lovely. And Woody as well? <laughs> okay, nice. Sounds like a uh, Great. Those are some bee. great buzzers that we prepared earlier. <laughs> a bee and a train. Yeah. <laughs> so, keeping score here. What is the largest creature ever to have roamed the Earth? Is it the Tyrannosaurus Rex? No. Can we throw it over to Woody, though? Give her a go. I'll give you a clue. This animal is actually still alive today. I was going to say oh, the blue whale. It is actually the blue whale. And I thought whales don't roam. Yeah, they, they <laughs> like or swim or <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading too much into the question. All right, question two. I'm going to make a comeback. Okay, question number two. Which organ of the adult blue whale is the size of a small car? Whoop, whoop. This was going to be multiple choice. Would you like to wait for the Yes, uh, I'd like to. Well, yeah. Hurry up. I didn't know it was multiple choice. <laughs> All right. We've got A, brain, mm. B, heart, mm-hmm. or C, tongue. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to say the penis, so that's not one of the options. So I'm glad I waited for the multiple yes. choice. I'm going to say the tongue. The tongue. Actually, I'm going to say the brain. Uh, neither of you were correct on oh. that one. It is actually the heart. All right. Oh. Question three. I'm making a comeback. I'm making a comeback. How many litres of milk can a baby blue whale drink in just one day? Did you get all of these facts from the same website, it's like bluewhalefacts.com. There will be other questions in here. This okay, how many litres of milk? It's the blue is this whale, whale section. Is this, <laughs> is this <laughs> more, it's the largest section in the world. Um, so Hang on, this there, will be multiple choice. Is there multiple choice? Okay, yep. go. The options are A, 65 litres of milk a day, B, 165 litres of milk a day, or C, 365 litres of milk a day? I'm going to go with C. I'm going to go with B. I'm going to go with B. One point over to Woody here. Yay! Oh, my God. I'm getting nailed in this. Oh, it's the blue whale section. It's ecology versus physics over here. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of an unfair advantage. Have you got any questions on quantum physics? (laughs) Well, we do have something that you might be good at here, Jackie. Name the four closest planets to the sun in our solar system. The four closest to the sun. Absolutely. Uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. And uh, for an extra point, the next one? Jupiter. <laughs> All right, we'll give you an well, extra point here. You're going to be even now. Unless you include the asteroid belt. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> almost want to give an extra point here. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm back in the game. You are, we've got two all now. Okay. So back to some ecology questions here. I'm sorry, but this was my field it's of expertise. And I didn't actually <laughs> Google any of these things. All right, here we go. <laughs> Scientific rumours. The, uh, the Great Barrier Reef is expected to become 97% bleached if the Earth's temperature rises by what percentage? Is it A, 1 degree Celsius, B, 2 degrees Celsius, or C, 5 degrees Celsius? One, two, or five. I'm going to go A. One, two, or five. I'm gonna, I'll go B, two, then. We've got one degree over here with Woody. It's 97%. And we've got two degrees over here with Jackie, who's one on that round. So yes. Jackie's now in the lead with three oh. points. I want the, uh, the first person to buzz in, please, to give me a brief explanation of a vertebrate. What? <laughs> woot, woot. 
<laughs> a vertebrate is an animal with a backbone. Fantastic, Woody. Three all now. This is a bit like a fifth grader. Okay, go. Come on, question. What, what question are you up to? Okay. What's the percentage of nitrogen in the Earth's atmosphere? Bzz, bzz. Oh, no. I, oh, that's, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> <laughs> I use my buzzer. <laughs> 78%. 78% is correct. Oh, and you got in first. I knew it was in the 70s. What does ACDC stand for? Alternating current, direct current. I mean, you woot, 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 woot. <laughs> where's your buzzer? <laughs> woot, woot, All right, woot, we'll still woot. give you that one there, Jackie. Um, who actually invented the radio? Oh. Here we are on the radio. Oh. Who invented um, it? No idea. Um, well, this is an interesting story, actually, because a guy called Guglielmo Marconi, is who I was taught in school, invented the radio. It was actually a guy called Nikola Tesla, and people didn't know this for a very long time. And it was only after one day after Nikola Tesla's death that he was granted back the patent because uh, Marconi owned it for quite a number of years. Hmm. Uh, so what's the boiling point of liquid nitrogen? Oh, buzz. <laughs> Minus 198 degrees. Oh, I'm going to have to throw that one over to Jackie. Oh, oh minus 196 degrees. Very good. Point, point 0.4. Uh, 196.4. <laughs> Woody did get that one there. Uh, oh, no. Okay, so who won? Who won? Well, Tell him up. We've got um, Woody on four points and Jackie on five points. Oh, oh close. Booyah. Smack down. <laughs> And that's all from us in this edition of Diffusion. If you'd like to contact us, if you have feedback, comments, suggestions or wild passionate praise, then send email to diffusion at 2ser.com. That's diffusion at 2ser.com. Or subscribe to our podcast on our website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. Contributing to the program were Caitlin Howlett and Jackie Hayes. This was recorded in the studios of 2SER and broadcast by the Community Radio Network. I'm Sarah Wood. See you next week on Diffusion. Yeah.